Hello and welcome to Oversharing on the Internet. I am you slash. I'm up. And today we're going to be oversharing stories from the internet. Indeed. Things you may have heard, things you may not have heard. Some long, some short, some just right. I've never heard any of these things. No, me either. No. That's why we picked them. <laughs> That's why we picked them. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going to start us off here with an ask Reddit. Uh, I love it already. What's your, what's your best, I didn't just dodge a bullet, but a tactical nuke story? <laughs> already a good open. Do you have any comment you slash to start with? Or upvote, sorry. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, man. Don't yeah. aliases anymore. I don't even no, know who don't. I am. No, that's uh, your name. Your name's upvote. That's your legal name. That's true. Uh, it's on my birth certificate now. <laughs> <laughs> a tactical nuke that I've dodged? I'll read some examples here and then we'll get All going. Right. Okay. So this is the top one here. Uh, this woman says, when I was 14, I went to my best friend's house for a birthday party. A 30-year-old guy that worked for their parents asked her to tell me that he wanted to take me out on a date. I said that I had a boyfriend. He seemed nice, but he started following us everywhere and just standing back staring at us. They had a huge farm, so probably staring from like a big distance, maybe. I got nervous and called my mom to come get me. Months later, we saw his wanted poster at our grocery store. He was a serial killer named Angel Rosendez, the railway killer. Mom didn't believe me until... I, it was on AMW that night, which must be like the local news. And they interviewed my friends, foster parents. Then she freaked. Wow. <laughs> you ever talked to a serial yeah. killer before? Not that I know of. I mean, <laughs> theoretically, what is it like? You, you run into someone who's a psychopath statistically? Well, the Golden State Killer was from Bath, right? I have no idea. Where are we from? Bath, upstate New York. Okay. Interesting. I I don't know. I haven't done my due diligence on serial killers this morning. My mom's BFF had a son get out of prison. He was doing tattoos for a living. We lived in a state that still had tattoos illegal at the time. What? <laughs> I that never was a thing? That tattoos were illegal. That's weird. That is weird. Maybe because like of the health and sanitation issues with like an unlicensed Needles person putting or, putting yeah. a needle in your arm. Yeah, that makes sense. So he and his mom came to our house to give us a tattoo. I was like 18 at the time, and I think he was in his early 20s. We were both told he went to prison because... While he did have a drug problem at the time, he took the fall for someone carrying a fuck ton of meth. Now, I don't know what the actual kilogram measurement of that is, but no, it's a fuck metric, ton. so yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> his mom kept hinting and eventually outright suggesting I let him take me on a date. She swore up and down he needed a good influence like me. I'll admit, I did feel a bit pressured. Uh, his mom was one of my favorite people in the world, and I felt like I was letting her down. But I was not feeling it. Dude was not attractive at all. Worst of all, he was covered in swastikas that he, <laughs> that he claimed was to survive prison. 
<laughs> Way to bury the lead. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he was wasn't very attractive, but he also had a lot of Nazi symbols on him, you know. Just you know, someone you'd want to associate with. Some Monday detail, Michael. <laughs> I also found it really creepy that he kept oddly stroking my foot while doing a tattoo several inches above my ankle. But we managed to enjoy the tattoo party with no dates made. Cool. About three months later, I'm listening to the news as background noise, and I hear her son's name mentioned. Police are looking for him. He strangled his girlfriend and all four of her children after the girlfriend caught him molesting one of the kids. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, let's take that from the top once more with feelings. So you caught this guy molesting a child, which, don't get me wrong, is like super bad. And his reaction is, I'm caught, so I might as well just strangle everyone in the family to death so they can't tell on me? Like, what? Yeah, well, well I, I guess that's your, a... What is the process in your brain that makes you think that's the better option? I mean, what did they do? Like some sort of, uh, they must have had to do some crime scene testing to figure out that he like tried to molest one of the kids. I, I'm pretty like, sure was that there that's a, a real easy DNA yeah. swab kind of deal. Wow. So I'm going to kill five people because you caught me. I mean, at that point, you've molested a child. You just need to take your own life because prison's not going to be a picnic for you. Okay, okay. I, well, I'm not condoning. I'm literally doing the opposite of condoning child molestation. If you molest a child, you should kill yourself. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I got a few more on this. There's a lot of good stories in here. Nice. I met this one guy. These all seem to be like weird guy prison stories, but we'll go on. I guess we're, we're tactical nukes sometimes. I met this one guy as a young adult. He was a mutual... F- in my friend group, thought he was cute, gave him my social media info and chatted back and forth a bit. I moved away from the area not long after we met. After I moved, he messaged uh, me constantly, asking me to come over to his house, attend parties with him, come to his area so he could buy me a drink, so on and so forth. I politely declined every time. This went on for a year. Eventually, I entered into a committed relationship. Shortly after, he asked if I had a boyfriend. I said yes. Then he proceeded me to send a bunch of pictures of his wiener, so I instantly blocked him. She says wiener. <laughs> Two years... <laughs> yeah, I'm not paraphrasing that. So, two years later, through our mutual friends, I found out that he had been accused of drugging and raping several women. When police came to his house to arrest him, they found a woman in a dog kennel in his living room. Not sure the entire story behind the girl in the kennel, but just thinking about it freaks me out. Yeah, that's weird. That that is weird. I mean, some people are into that kind of thing, but probably not her. Um, what the hell, like I, I'm, I'm just sad for society now. <laughs> there were a few days where all my appliances were breaking down. First, the clothes washer, then the air conditioner, then the dishwasher. Then one morning before leaving work, the refrigerator stopped cooling. I was in a terrible mood on my commute to work, and then I had a flat tire in the middle of rush hour traffic. 
I pulled over to the shoulder. Normally I would have got immediately out and started changing it. I can change a tire in about five minutes. It wouldn't have even made me late. But everything breaking in the days leading up to this flat had me defeated. I rested my head on the steering wheel a few seconds and said out loud, why me? When almost as an answer, I was hit from behind. Traffic has slowed because of my pulling over and an ambulance driver transporting a patient between hospitals decided to go around the traffic by driving in the breakdown lane. Damage to my vehicle was minor, but if it had been any other day, I would have been taking my jack and spare out at that moment and been crushed between the car and the ambulance. Everything worked out great. I got a five-figure settlement from the ambulance company as they were clearly at fault. And when I got home that day, the appliances were miraculously working again. So that's almost like a uh, hidden Maracuru. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little happy story. Yeah, it makes me feel better. Okay, maybe society's okay. Uh, yeah, let's do another one here. So I was about 11 and my dad wanted me to come along with him to pick up some furniture about 30 minutes away. I made a huge stink about it. Basically being annoying little male adolescent turd saying how I wanted to stay at home and play. I'd be really good. It was boring, etc. He finally got fed up and stormed out and told me to stay put and he'd be back soon. About an hour later, he comes home in a police car pretty shaken up and just reached over and hugged me hard. Turns out that he was driving down the highway and traffic got busy ahead and the semi truck in the lane over tried to stop too late and jackknifed. When it was coming to a stop from swerving all over the road, it fell over on the passenger side of the car, read like my dad's car, right where I would have been if I had gone along with him. The car was totaled, obviously, with the passenger side crushed down flat. He was lucky to make it out alive. Um, he never made a big deal about me coming along again if I said I really didn't want to go. Like <laughs> the worst like moral of the story. Like this, this poor guy just like had his life flash before his eyes and realizes like if he'd brought the kid along, like it would not have ended well, comes in and gives his son like this hug. And you're basically saying like, I never had to go again if I didn't want to. Like, that's like, (laughs) screw you, man. That's not the moral of the story there. (laughs) It's shitty, but it's awesome for the kid at the same time. I guess. Uh... Well, what the hell else we got here? You got anything else good? So uh, I've never dodged a nuke that size, but my my mom told me a story about how she dodged a nuke that size, I suppose. Ooh, okay. Let's hear it. Uh, she was just starting at her uh, job at uh, one of these big companies, and there was a Christmas party that she was repeatedly asked to go to by another person. And... Uh, she politely declined several times over the course of the week. And this gentleman took someone who was not his fiance to the party. And uh, on the way to the party, they both ended up getting, uh, uh, they were at a stop sign and a tractor trailer came and didn't stop and ran right over the car and killed them both. Oh, and my mom was not in that car. And you said took someone who was not his fiance to the party. Yeah. To the party, yeah. So he was like cheating yeah. on. I no one, no one really knows because you know didn't really ask. Well, that's but fair. I'm sure, yeah. sure, the fiance feels like she dodged a bullet too. 
Yeah, I mean, that could have been a little karma. To, I mean, maybe he didn't deserve to die, but, you know. Right. Little. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's always ominous when you, uh, yeah. you avoid those kind of things. Um, yeah, I can't really say I've dodged, like, a huge bullet or anything like that. Like that. I mean, I didn't get married to my last uh, paramour, so that was that was a bullet dodge. That, that was a bullet dodge. I don't know if it was a tactical nuke, but that, yeah, uh, it might have been. She could have killed me at some point. She still can. <laughs> never say never, <laughs> I guess. It's a real terrifying thought. Thanks. Appreciate that one. You slash. <laughs> Always sleep with one eye open. I'm going to have to now. Um, I think that's, I squeezed about all I can out of this Reddit. Although that was a good one. I like those. That's good. Good. All right. Bear with me. I have Okay. One. It's a oh. very long pro-revenge. Now I'm going to take a swig, a swig of beverage and take a, take a quick cough so I can get out. I can, okay. I can comment in the middle of this if you need a break like if there's an interesting part so but go on just bear with me here we go for the hundredth time okay i orchestrated a vast conspiracy to get a co-worker fired using a uh, throwaway account because this is a very specific story so i used to work at a hospital data center in the network operations group we physically sat in a room 24 7 next to the servers to make sure things didn't catch on fire, monitored for alerts, and did routine things like swap out tape backups because, you know, that's what we had to do, and it was pretty simple. This was ostensibly a tech job, but there were people who had been there for many, many years, and when you had to change out the printer paper, run the command from an IBM mainframe, it was, you know, very specialized hardware and software. It was difficult to apply elsewhere. So it had become kind of a dead-end job. And because these were people who weren't really tech-savvy at all, uh, we weren't given much responsibility. You can't tell some people they can log into servers and others they can't. So we'd been reduced to the lowest common denominator. We were in a network operations center where nobody was allowed to interact with any networked equipment. <laughs> wow. Low lowest common denominator, you say? Meet my supervisor, Karen. Not her real name, but definitely her real spirit. She'd been there for probably 20 years and got the job solely based on her seniority. She was a sociopathic narcissist and one of the most unpleasant people you've ever encountered. Shortly after I was hired, we were brought, we were brought by another hospital and combined data centers. Karen was demoted to a shift lead and had to work with us in the 24-7 rotation. She was very bad at her job, and our responsibilities diminished to very little. We had no agency to fix any problems of our own because it had to be a problem that Karen could solve. And Karen was both lazy and stupid. Man, she sounds like a Karen. After a couple of years, I was promoted, and on my first day after the announcement of the promotion, she said, You will fail. Just straight to my face. <laughs> Wow. But she had a powerful tool at her disposal, the hospital bureaucracy. Since the place was unionized, the hospital had just caught 
had to have a just cause uh, firing policy instead of an at-will policy. Even for non-unionized employees. This, I think, generally is a good thing, but on the edges, it sets up ridiculous situations where it's impossible to lose your job unless you were really egregious about it with repeated violations or you show up drunk or high. We had someone steal computer equipment and they kept their job. It was pretty nuts. And Karen had been there for, you know, a long time at that point. So she wasn't getting fired without a lot of work. That's okay. She was terrible at her job. One of the most important things about the job was monitoring for an alert which would pop up. And there were procedures we had to go through in order to get some... Uh, for some data to go through. If we didn't do this, then a nurse wouldn't get their lab results back. So one case, an alert came in, Karen saw it and decided to ignore it and kept browsing the web. Because of this, the patient from the cardiac ICU was going into surgery and the doctors, nurses that were operating, couldn't get a white blood cell count, I think. Not really sure, I'm not a doctor. Just worked in the building with a lot of them. Uh, something very dangerous for this patient. And the patient ended up dying. This still did not get Karen fired. The reason from HR, well, it didn't directly lead to harm. <laughs> I mean, kind of sounds like it did. Uh, I don't know. She didn't even feel bad about it. Just a complete soulless sociopath. I'm a real pro worker in general, but some jobs you just absolutely have to do. I was so mad. She had to go. I kept a paper trail of everything she messed up on. It wasn't nitpicking, literal life and death stuff here. <laughs> like verbal warnings, first written warning, second written warning, final written warning, termination. A slog, and I'd rather spend my time doing anything else, but that's the way it went. I've never heard someone use the term slog like that before. That was interesting. She figured out that she could work the system. As she approached work Armageddon termination, she would tell HR that she was being harassed. The person harassing her would be different every time, which would trigger a mandatory investigation. This investigation took about six months. Then she would find anything, and we would carry on. Or they wouldn't find anything, and we would carry on. And these warnings, they had about a six-month expiration, so she could always reset the clock when it got close. So everyone was helpless, even the CIO couldn't do anything about this because of the bureaucracy. Karen was a menace, and the entire IT department had to, uh, had to interact with the data center staff, and that meant everyone had to interact with Karen. And she was universally disliked. And she had 20 years until retirement, and she would outlast the heat death of the universe. Wow. Then I had an idea. What if? Hear me out. Under the guise of developing skills relevant to the 21st century, we required everyone working in the Network Operations Center to pass a Net Plus exam. It's not a difficult exam, but it's not really easy. I felt pretty sure that everyone on the team fell above the line between able to pass and not able to pass. Except Karen. We would give everyone better titles, a significant pay raise, and entrusted to do more with the equipment which is something everyone desperately wanted. The people could actually leave the hospital with transferable skills and do something else if they wanted and not feel trapped. I spent three years 
in meetings with HR, with my director, with the CIO, with the HR people. Job description meetings that took six hours to tweak small wording, hundreds of hours in meetings, red tape hell, absolute red tape hell. Do you have any idea what it's like to approve a significant raise in a bureaucratic muck factory like this? But the raises were crucial because it would be absolutely not fair to ask them to do this. Pass a test or lose your job without a large carrot attached that would lead that that would lead to mutiny if we didn't do it that way. It got approved. <clears throat> I also wrote the exam requirements into my own job description. It was an important to still be able to do the job and not let my skills lapse just because I was promoted. Also, this meant I could cover for people when they were on vacation or sick. Plus, I got that sweet, sweet pay raise. I went over, it went over very well. I was nervous, but the plan made sense and I was able to communicate that. People would be more marketable, their jobs would be more interesting, and most importantly, they would be making 20% more than they were before. I think that really helped and also gave myself the same requirement when I absolutely could have chosen not to. The hospital would pay for off-site training. They would still get paid their full eight hours uh, during the training, including shift differential for second and third shift. We paid for all the materials. I scheduled eight hours a week per person to go someplace quiet and study. The job itself had a ton of downtime, so people could study, but this was formerly carved out time anyway. We paid for the exam, and if they failed, we'd pay for a second attempt. We were given eight months to pass the test, so this is how it was for eight months. I did not want Karen to have any excuse whatsoever and somehow convince HR that the process was rushed and unfair. <clears throat> Everyone passed the test on their first attempt, except Karen. Karen did not pass her second attempt or her third attempt, which was a bonus attempt just for her. Karen, being the classic narcissist, thought this was somehow all about her, that this was a vast conspiracy engineered over multiple years and hundreds of hours just to get rid of her. And she would it tell was. everyone with an earshot <laughs> that's what was going on. Yeah, okay, Karen, you realize how insane you sound, right? Not everything's <laughs> about you. Jeez. Well, okay, in this case it is, but still, only I and two other people knew that. I remember the exact time and date we told her. She was in such deep denial that she could uh, that this could ever happen. She thought she was bulletproof. I don't think I will ever achieve anything more satisfying in my career. I'm not usually one to take satisfaction in seeing someone's livelihood go, but she was uniquely awful, and she was a patient danger and it had been nearly a decade of working with her by this point and i was just so sick and tired of her bullshit i was a hero the day after she was fired i went to the main office for a meeting and people were congratulating me like i just had a kid or won a marathon even the cio they were just happy for me that i didn't have to supervise karen anymore but in my head they were congratulating me for pulling off this very elaborate plan Morale back at the data center was also high. We learned interesting things. A couple of my coworkers left for better gigs elsewhere. The ones who were content staying were able to stay. We all had more money and job security. And because anything could set off a bullshit Karen harassment complaint, 
People were stressed out from working with her. Her being gone was like a breath of fresh air. Newcomers were told stories of Karen, and they seemed exaggerated. They were not. In order to solve a very important and extremely difficult problem, I pulled off a vast workplace conspiracy that improved the lives of the people I worked with in addition to keeping our patients safe. Getting Karen fired was my greatest and most difficult accomplishment, and I can't even put it on my CV. <laughs> Years of planning to get rid of one person. That's an impressive amount of dedication. Well, it, you know, all workplaces do have some form of a Karen and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some are more exaggerated than others. And I, you know, I think this particular workplace, it did merit because she was literally ru ruining the whole department. So she was ruining the department. She was a danger to society and people who went to that hospital. Like, come on, she had to go. And the bureaucracy oh, yeah. would save her every time. Nah, she was, she was dope. She needed to be gone. It. It's very surprising to me that they that HR would let that slide though. That yeah, suddenly that you wouldn't be grandfathered into this like position without the dot net requirement. So yeah. um yeah, I that's a that's a hell of a story. It was a good doozy. Sorry. You think, I didn't mean to lull you to sleep. <laughs> you think she'd she'd uh you know, like you think they would like make a special position for her that's like not a promoted position or like th that didn't get the raise or something like that. And she was just like still low on the totem pole. But that was awesome. Yeah. Was, oh, I'm proud, apparently proud you can't person. say you can't say totem pole anymore. My bad. What? Yeah, it's insensitive to to Native Americans. No. I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. I actually had uh, someone at our office went to HR over it, and HR sided with them. Well, I guess you can <laughs> run that up the flagpole then. <laughs> I wasn't even meaning to work that in there. I just uh, happened to <laughs> have a HR story myself. You got your own, so. own HR Reddit story ready to rock and roll. <laughs> Well, next time you see that person, I guess you could ask him, how you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. If That'd I raise fire. my hand up and say, ha, no, I'm not gonna, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care enough about this person. They're so insignificant in my workplace. It doesn't even matter. So that's fair. Yeah. And it's not even somebody I interact with every, but every day I just heard through the grapevine. And I think that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You can't use words or speech, even though you live in, uh, you know, society with freedom of speech because it offends one person. Like, I don't know. I saw this one comedian and they were talking about how everyone gets offended by things. And like it's and all these kids growing up are like, I'm offended. Yeah. It's not even just, yeah. So what? Like, you're offended. The world moves on. Good job. No one gives a shit. You can be offended. It's okay. No one cares. <laughs> it, it's it's it, it's not even an offensive thing. It's just a totem pole. It's not disparaging Native Americans by saying you're the low man on the totem pole. You know, literally, I I I mean, I have like a lot of rural communities around, and I see a lot of like 
old white dudes with chainsaws that literally build totem poles with like these giant yeah. logs. Like, no, get out of it, here. Get bent. It's like saying you're the low man on the ladder, and then yeah. the white person going to HR and saying, "Well, that's a white invention," or something. You know, like what? What? Am I not allowed <laughs> to use say peanut butter references anymore? Like, George Washington watch. Carver, motherfucker, watch out. That's right. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that guy. He's got that peanut butter on wrap. All right. Um, next one is from Shower Thoughts. Sex shops would sell a lot more products if they had a self checkout. <laughs> yep. Probably. Uh, and this is a super interesting comment, I thought. So, my hometown has an autonomous sexy shop. There's a light at the entrance. Green means there's nobody inside and you can enter. Red means someone is inside making a purchase. You enter showing some sort of document in the entrance. I don't really remember, honestly, but something that would be able to guarantee your age, basically. Okay. Inside, there are a bunch of vending machines with all sorts of products. You select what you want, the machine drops it, and you leave. Guaranteed privacy. No awkwardness with employees or other customers. As much time as you want to buy without feeling judged. And also quite cost effective for whoever owns the place. The only problem is that the, they place it on a pretty busy street. So you can't really go if it's not very late at night. Otherwise, you'll be seen by pretty much anyone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Roxanne. That's an ingenious idea. Turn on the red light. I feel like if you're someone who needs like sex shop toys, though, like you're in the middle of the day. <laughs> well, in the middle of the day. Yeah. But you're generally a little more like explorative and a little more open with what's going on than most people. I mean, I get that there's the occasional shy person that wants like a double sided dildo or something, but you know. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe a flavored lube or something, but you just went right there. Like, <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um. Then some people are saying if they wanted self checkout, they would just buy shit online. And mm. keep the anonymity. And some people like to be showed around the store and all the different devices and how they work and et cetera. Um, I don't know. Like you could do that online too with like a, you know, user man, like a user video kind of deal. Yeah, I'm sure like, I mean, YouTube's allowed to put sex toys up, I'd assume, right? Like reviews. I have no and, idea. Like, I like, you can't show them in action, but I think you can like, you know, generally, if you want to know how something works, you can pretty much Google it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, that I thought that was just interesting as a shower thought. Yeah, that, it is. And yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm a little torn on this because I think you know, there's 50 percent of people would say, "Oh, I want to be like." Showed around to say, oh, have you seen the latest Cum Guzzler 2000 model that came out? <laughs> oh, you mean my ex-wife? <laughs> uh, one more shower um, thought for you, and then we can move on. Be Before 1903, 
any human that was traveling at 120 miles per hour was likely falling to their death. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. 1903 is a very specific year. Like, I mean, I don't think Henry Ford's Model T was getting 120 mile per hour. I think the Wright brothers probably, if if you could get up in the air and maybe like glide, you could probably get up to a fair speed. Or maybe that's when the glider was invented or something like that. You know, they were doing it off of cliffs. It's a very interesting year. I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. What happened at 1903? Uh, well you know i think they had like finally figured out the combustion engine and maybe there was like a very like souped up like special engine that they were testing out in the desert or something that was i mean they had they had trains in the 1800s and such so maybe there was like a bullet train or something i don't know 1903 inventions uh the Wright brothers yeah, you look at that, and I will uh, read this next story. Hey, go ahead. All right. This comes from Am I the Asshole? Am I the Asshole for telling my husband to stop inviting his mom to our daughter's performances? So, before I read it, you think that she's the asshole or no? Say that one more time. I want to I be very clear on this. Am I the asshole am for I, what? Am I the asshole for telling my husband to stop inviting his mom to our daughter's performances? Stop telling my, okay, inviting it. Well, you know, I wouldn't, I would think that she would be the asshole without further context to that story, but I know there's context. (laughs) Oh, there's context. Let's get in. So excuse me real quick. I'm going to take a quick swig. So it's another, it's not as long as the last one, but it's a little bit of a doozer. I got the black lung, pa. Okay. Situation is pretty... Frustrating, to say the least, but let's start with some context. My husband and I have a 13-year-old daughter. She plays piano and has participated in several plays in and outside of school. Now, here's the thing. My husband invites his mom to every performance our daughter has. Not saying he shouldn't, but many times she'd put my daughter down and point out where she messed up and what she needed to work on. Hello, she's not an expert. She's only 13. Like, I mean, and she does this every single time. My daughter has picked up on these negative comments and her self-esteem kept getting low and by extension, her performance kept getting low as well. I told my husband that his mom needs to either stop putting our daughter down or stop coming to the plays and the performances. And he said his mom is the grandmother and should be included in these events as support. Our daughter had performance this past Wednesday, and I told my husband that his mom can sit this one out. But he said it was too late because he sent her a link of the date and location. I sighed and said nothing. His mom arrived 20 minutes later, sat down next to him and kept pulling him close and whispering in his ear. I just rolled my eyes hard. Once the play was over and after we got a chance to see our daughter who looked nervous and shaking, the mother-in-law looked at her and said, let me just say that today's performance was disappointing. My daughter was in shock and I was floored completely. 
My daughter started crying and rushed away. Mother-in-law then casually said, Oh, I have to go now. I have an appointment with the salon for Chloe, her other granddaughter, birthday party. I was fuming and I told her what she said to my daughter was not okay and that she made her upset and she needed to apologize. She said something along the lines of just telling it how it is and left. We went home and I lost it on my husband telling him that his mom just keeps putting our daughter down and it's not right. He said I'm being overdramatic and what his mom's doing is just constructive criticism. I told him from now on that he needs to stop inviting her to our daughter's performances. He said I was being ridiculous and that I shouldn't expect his mom to be excluded from her granddaughter's life like that. We had a big argument and now my daughter isn't even interested in performing in plays anymore. My husband said I was out of line and shouldn't use our daughter in fights with his mom. He also called me controlling and vicious. Am I the asshole? Couple edits. The mother-in-law and I don't talk due to past disagreements. The mother-in-law is uncomfortable with the concept of playing piano and thinks my daughter is wasting time and getting distracted with zero benefits since she and my husband want her to become a doctor. My daughter doesn't want to be a doctor, but that's an argument for another time. And number three, my mother-in-law thinks I'm wasting my husband's money because I enrolled my daughter in piano classes, have been since she was nine. And my husband told me he'll keep inviting his mom over and over and over again till I learn to stop using our daughter as a tool in fights to fight his mom with. And believe me, I'm not. Is she the asshole? I got a lot of thoughts on this story. Um, So the mother-in-law is a cunt. 100% yes. Yeah, yeah, you got to tell it that to her face. And preferably, you got to tell it to her face on the stage of the school in front of everybody. Um, Absolute cunt. Um, But second of all, um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, she's basically handcuffed with basically either saying, I either have to divorce you to get rid of this woman or she's going to keep coming and terrorizing our daughter. You know, or even if I, even if you divorce her, I mean, then 50 percent of the time she's going to be unsupervised with your daughter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people live in states where they can kind of, uh, you know, say shit that maybe isn't true, but, you know, pretty much have the husband lose custody. So there's that as a thought. But um, second thought is I do see where the mother-in-law is coming from at certain points because, you know, kids are soft these days. You do have to, you do have to roughen them up a little bit and expect them. She's 13 and she's in like a school play. And rather than say, Oh, good job, dearie. Like as a grandmother would do, you say that was a disappointment. Like, well, well, you know, you know what, if she actually gives out a compliment, then that means that she actually did a good job. But the kids losing interest in everything because everything she does isn't good enough. Whereas yeah. if it was something like, oh, you did such a good job, sweetheart. Maybe that one scene was a little weird, but everything else was great. <laughs> like, you know, something like that. Like, Okay, okay. Or, you know, oh, well, that was such a good piano recital, honey. That's so good. Well, you know, the kid only has five years of childhood left before they become in, legally an adult. So, you know, they Start better get good at something problem. quick. <laughs> yeah. 
The uh, just, first comment that was uh, mentioned here is next time you and your husband are intimate, roll over afterwards and say, let me just say that tonight's performance was disappointing and see how he likes that constructive criticism. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best uh, recourse to this is just be so critical of your husband. Like, yeah, yeah like, oh, how did you like the Valentine's Day gift I got you? It, it was all right. Well, see, there's the problem with that is that he grew up with this woman that is the mother-in-law, so this might actually, like, you know, give him some type of weird, like, excitatory turnout or something. Oh, God, yeah. Well, maybe. I think you just got to put the husband in counseling and be like, yeah, these are, like, social norms. Like, your mother-in-law is not doing, like, the social norms that people do. Yeah. Like, So... Um, yeah, I mean, totally not the asshole, but to be, to be fair to the mother-in-law's credit, kids are soft these days. Um, and you know, maybe we do not give out enough constructive criticism to children. It is my well, there's, thought. There's a, there's a better way to give constructive criticism. That's not con- what she did. Wasn't constructive criticism. She didn't say anything that you could improve on. She just said it was disappointing. Okay. I like constructive criticism would be like, Oh yeah. But I noticed that during that, uh, one, you know, scene, you like, you kind of lost your train of thought or you weren't focused. So maybe focus up next time. Like that's constructive criticism. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Not like, Oh, hey, I noticed that that was awful. <laughs> that's that's not constructive. Well, she she does still come to the she has a strange desire to still come to the place, though. That's that's the weird. <laughs> see, I feel like with the am I the asshole things, people always try and paint themselves in the best light. So you're not getting the full story. Yeah. Maybe maybe the grandmother is being a little more constructive than what it comes across as. And the, I mean, and, yeah, when I read a lot of these stories and things, I'm like, there's no way someone could be that stupid or that dumb or that mean. Like, it's just that's most people know better. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's going to the play and being like Gordon Ramsay about it. Like, that was total dog shit. It's like, well, okay, why did you why did you come to the play? Like, you didn't have to come. Fucking play. <laughs> like, I I don't know. Like, I wouldn't come to a children's play expecting it to be good. <laughs> Just yeah, like, like I wouldn't go to like a home ec Shakespeare. Class. <laughs> what the hell was that? Did you get did your you director have... from Barney? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like there's some stuff being left out of the story, but the story as is, as presented is she is not the asshole. However, I think, I think there's a little more fault on the wife and a little less fault on the mother-in-law than you would initially believe based on her telling of the story. I feel like if you heard it from another point of view, like if you were the therapist and these people sat down together, you would hear two very different versions of the same story. Yeah, and I feel I feel like I mean we don't know. Maybe the mother in law was taking care of the kid all week, and the mother in law said, "Hey, don't you have to practice for your play?" And she didn't practice, and maybe she said, "Oh, like you know, maybe that would have happened a little bit better, and you wouldn't have forgot your lines if you practiced." You know, something also, like that. 
have a very strong feeling based on the things like they want her to be a doctor. I'm guessing the ethnicity of this child. Like the, yeah. the, so, the social norms on this family seem to indicate that they are they are of a specific ethnicity. Well, probably Indian are, or Chinese or something. That's like what that. I was thinking was like Chinese because they wanted them to, uh, you know, basically become a doctor, and they're very discipline heavy, very strict, and they don't give out compliments a lot, and that's just how their culture is, you know. It could be cultural too. I would yeah. say. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, still analyzing it, uh, you know, I think it's a lot harder to change someone's culture. Right. <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe they're not actually being an asshole. Maybe that's just like what normally. Yeah, like if that, they're if the grandma like grew up in China and that's how she was raised, like that makes sense as to why yeah. she would be that way. <clears throat> we go to plays and we say they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that here. um know your memes so december 17th 1903 was the first documented and successful controlled powered flight of a heavier than air aircraft by the wright brothers in killed kill devil hills north carolina and apparently a 19 year old became the first woman to fly a powered aircraft solo uh from Paris to Chateau de Bagatelle, France. And they say they don't break glass ceilings. <laughs> so that must have been like, uh, it's a, oh, a Zeppelin. Like that kind of aircraft. Okay. Because that wasn't making sense. Because on December 17th, the Wright brothers had their first aircraft flight. But on like June of that miraculously year. Miraculously overseas very quickly. Like, no. Yeah. No, no, they were flying a uh, a Zeppelin overseas in a flight. Um, but the heavier-than-air aircraft, which is the key, a.k.a. not a Zeppelin, was the Wright brothers. Gotcha. Um, if you think about that timeline, though, 1903 was the first like flight of a heavier-than-air flight. And then the First World War was like 1914. Yeah, and we already had fighter planes and all that good yeah. shit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's some real fast improvement. Like, and the amount of like, I don't just sheer making of all those planes. Like, yeah, I mean, not only did capabilities. We, not only did we, fig- yeah, we figured out how to mass produce pr- planes within ten years and also put guns on them. <laughs> hmm. It's pretty cool. And also do like acrobatic maneuvers so they can like, you know, shoot people out of the sky. Dog fights. Yeah. Yeah, Um, That's that's wild. Fun with history. I got one more to tap us off here. Do it up. Um, This is from a subreddit called Storytime. This isn't a long story, but nonetheless, it's kind of a am I the asshole story too. And not really, though. Um, so this girl goes, hi, I'm a 23-year-old female, and I was taking a plane from to New York for a family friend. I will say I'm very skinny, and a lot say it must be nice to be skinny, and I'm not going to lie, it can be, but I don't like it anyways. I was boarding a flight with a lady who looked to be a bit chubby, which I don't care, but I guess she did a, I guess she did a lot there. 
Uh, that's not a sentence. Um, so I said that <laughs> basically she's just trying to say this, this fat lady, uh, was sitting next to this very skinny girl who, which is her. Um, she ended up taking up, um, uh, my entire seat and I asked her to move. She yelled at me telling me I was body shaming and whatnot. I was kicked off the flight and left at the airport because of this fat woman who, uh, was taking up essentially two seats and she didn't buy two seats. What? So she goes to the airport manager office and she, uh, told him what happened and this guy checked over the, this fat lady's flight records and saw that every flight she's been on she's always gets a person kicked off um so this skinny girl gets a new flight to new york first class and five thousand dollars cool but also i kind of want the fat bitch to have repercussions well, she needs to buy two tickets or buy a first-class ticket to be let on a flight. That's pretty clear. I think all these... I mean, I, I think it's become maybe less of a problem or, or airlines are not as afraid as they were to enforce it, but I think uh, I think these airlines are afraid to touch the issue of, you know, like, why do I'm I have shaming. to... Yeah, why do I have to buy two tickets? The So-and-so didn't have to buy two tickets. Blah 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 blah. Weigh as much as two people, <laughs> right? And that was the last time that flight attendant got to fly. I mean, it should just be a very clear, like, um, you know, they should have like a um, when you're walking to board the plane, they should have like a width meter, I guess, and just like if you, you know, like at. Um, you must be this tall to ride this light ride. Like you can't be more than be this. This you can't be more than this wide to get one ticket. Yeah, like you need two tickets if you're not making it through here. It is a very unique solution to that problem, I said. I think that might work. Yeah, and you're not really targeting any one person. It's just no. if you it's, if you make yeah, it through the, the width rule. meter. Yeah, them's the rules. So. I guess you should do it at ticketing. Well, no, I guess, I guess, you know, there's online ticketing now. So I guess you would just do it at boarding and just take them aside. Where the TSA is. Yeah. And then just take them aside and say, hey, like. You have a second ticket, brah. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, hey, like this flight's already overbooked. Like what, uh. I feel like it's just going to, because, I don't know, the U.S. sucks so hard sometimes because, like, that's just going to open them up to lawsuits because of all these idiots, like, well, I'm big and beautiful. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to be, like, 800 pounds and, like, get on a plane and expect yeah. it to be fine. Like, like you know what? I don't, if, if you want to be a fat person, that's cool. Like, I got some extra pounds. I know I could lose some. That's fine. That, it is what it is. But, I mean, I'm still working on trying to take care of myself and do better. And, you know, I I respect, I respect there are, you know, diseases, disorders, and just mental health issues that drive people to be 500 pounds plus. But I've seen people who have been 500 pounds plus lose weight and try. 
Like, I mean, it's it's not something that a lot of and all these people who are like, I want to be this big because I'm beautiful or this big. It's like, no, you're unhealthy. Like, there's a, there's something very wrong with you if you think that this is this is what people want and this is this is what beauty is and this is like that's there's a mental defect in you if that is what you think. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess some countries, uh, you know, it's more desirable to have somebody who's like heavier set because like there's a, a food extra, shortage. I'm not talking a couple extra pounds. I'm talking like this bitch is definitely two people. Yeah, curvy versus fat is different. Like, and, yeah, uh, if you if you've got more, you can't even say this shit when you put it online, man. <laughs> There was an Austin Powers joke. With, remember Fat Bastard? Oh, yeah. 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 If you've got more chins than a Chinese phone book, like that was, you, yeah. you can get away with saying that. Wow. <laughs> Man, I really, it sucks so hard that political correct culture has just screwed everything up. But you can't, you can't make jokes anymore. Like, God forbid you make a joke about anyone. You might get slapped by Will Smith. You never know. <laughs> Stop talking about my wife. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I beat the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. And I'm 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 not a skinny guy, but I'm not a big guy. But I I you mean, are definitely a skinny guy, man. Like by by the American metrics and standards, you are not overweight by any definition of that word. But I've sat in these plane seats, and I gotta say, there's a there's a pretty wide margin of error. Of if I'd stopped working out and you know ate yeah. McDonald's every day, like I could probably not have a problem. Like I can I can fit into one of them. I'm you know they're not the most comfortable thing for anyone. I don't think, but I they're can not comfy for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're like, not comfy. I can I can fit inside one, but I know that I wouldn't want to sit next to someone who is like bigger than me. Like that's just not like I'm I'm a tall dude. Yeah, fl- flying's just not for you, you know. If you're 800 pounds, it's just not your thing. Like, why you have nothing to live for anyway? Why do you got to go see something? Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, no, I. I don't. I understand that there are heavier people that need to get places, and I get that. I do the, like this is this has turned into something entirely different than oversharing on the Internet right now. This is like a soapbox <laughs> moment. This is, you know, the most exciting part of your trip is going to be the food, which you have Uber Eats on your phone and it's going to be an upcharge. But you know what? You're going to save yourself a plane ticket. Treat yourself. Get some KFC you know, tonight. I, I think I just came up with a million dollar idea. So, you know how like one of the side effects of COVID is like loss of smell and taste. Mm hmm. If you could just isolate that one symptom and sell it as like a pill. Okay. I think that would be the most effective diet pill ever. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point of eating if you can't taste it? Like it's it's like just to sustain life. And so eventually it's just like, eh, I'll eat whatever because I can't taste it. So I guess that salad's looking a lot better than that burger. Yeah, I think it's a little more. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some people who are like also so depressed, like eating is like the only thing they have too. So like it'd be kind of it's, a. 
yeah. I get that. Like there's yeah. there's like some mental and emotional components to it sometimes. But for some people, I'm saying like they eat because they like the taste of food and then they just can't stop because they like the taste of the food so much. Like then if you take away that taste, that it leaves them zero incentive to continue eating. Like, okay, I'm full. I'm done. Whereas and I understand in some other it's just like mindless watching TV and before you know it, the bag of chips is gone. Yeah, yeah, there's there's mindful eating and then there's not mindful eating. So if you're sitting down and watching a two hour movie and you have a bag mm-hmm. of Doritos and it's gone at the end of the movie, like, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I get that there are some like other punitive measures like there is the um, there's those pills that like basically don't let you absorb fat. Right. So you just end yeah. up having horrible diarrhea every time you overeat fatty foods. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know. And, you know, again, we're not saying that we hate fat people. We're saying that we hate entitled fat people. If you're, if you're 800 pounds and you buy two seats, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, you're welcome on the plane, but you just, you have to have the money for two seats. I'm sorry. Like you, yeah. It's the same thing with any any type of like person that is feeling marginalized. Like, if you want society to bend the rules around you, I have the issue because you're the outlier in society. Society doesn't need to change to fit you. You need to change to fit society. That's how societies work. Yeah. If you start trying to make societies bend the rules to accommodate other people that aren't normally accommodated in normal society, that's no longer a normal society and it will fail. Like, yeah, I mean, like, we all know those people who always say they're, like, been slighted by everyone and, like, this is so unfair. And then it's like... them are the Karens in these Reddits. Yeah, and it's like, if if everyone is so unfair to you, then you're probably the asshole because this doesn't happen to everybody else who just plays by the rules. It's like, every, every group of friends has an asshole, and if you can't figure out who's in your group that's the asshole, it's probably you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm the asshole in my group, but... Well, that's years of practice for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, folks, we are oversharing on the internets, and I am you slash. Do you remember your name, Upvo? I am Upvo. <laughs> I was going to say it, but you beat me to it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, have a good night.